Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. Most of all, though, we just really love and appreciate your support. On tonight's podcast, we are going to be talking about Winnipeg versus Calgary, which just concluded earlier uh, on Monday. It was an afternoon game, bit of an unusual schedule. And yeah, Winnipeg didn't exactly have the outing that we were probably hoping for. Every point kind of matters if you're the Winnipeg Jets, and unfortunately, the Jets failed to record anything, to be honest. It was a bit of a uh, frustrating performance, and we'll break down some of the biggest problems with the team, as well as, you know, what is essentially Winnipeg's future from here, and whether or not the way that they're handling some of their younger players really makes sense. Because, let's be honest, I think a lot of folks have varying uh, opinions on what the Jets are doing, And truth be told, I don't really know what direction Winnipeg wants to go in, but we'll explore a couple of different avenues later in the show. First off, though, we'll talk about that uh, wonderful Calgary game, and all of that will be coming up in just a little bit, so strap in and stay tuned to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey friends, uh, welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Jets podcast. We are kicking it off with some thoughts on the first period of Calgary versus Winnipeg. Now, setting the stage, you know, the Jets had just lost to Edmonton the other day, and despite a really fun last 10 minutes of the game, let's be honest, Winnipeg only spent like maybe 15 total minutes playing decent hockey against one of the more resurgent teams in the NHL. I hope you've gotten your Oilers jokes out of the way now because that team that we saw under Jay Woodcroft was a lot better than the one that we saw against Dave Tippett. This version of the Oilers was notably more balanced. I thought that they, that they had a really good transition game. Their counters were dangerous. Um, of course, McDavid just sort of does McDavid, but defensively, I thought that they were solid. And so for the Jets to lose to them in pretty uh, depressing fashion, it was a tough pill to swallow. And it kind of set up a really rough game against the Calgary Flames because Calgary has been, frankly, dominant this year. Now, if you watch the Flames, it's not like they have the world's most electrifying style. You know, Calgary's not really a team built for extreme levels of high end skill. This isn't a team that's like Colorado, they don't have a lot of high end speed, but what they do have is very good rapid puck movement from high to low a strong forecheck, and a very mobile back end. So all of this kind of, uh, for Winnipeg, tends to be a bit of the team's kryptonite because the Jets really struggle against squads that can frankly hem them in inside the defensive zone. Winnipeg, when they don't have very clean zone exits, often find themselves spending like three to four shifts inside their own zone, and that usually results in a goal against. Now, the fortunate thing for the Jets is the Flames don't have nearly as many elite scorers as some of the other squads out there. That was especially fortunate in this opening first period where the Jets just really didn't have much going. 
You know, Winnipeg got gifted a couple of early power plays. Calgary had one or two as well. But frankly, you know, the Flames were the more dangerous team. And after Calgary got their power plays in, you could kind of start to see the Flames begin to take over the period at even strength. It felt like Calgary was attacking the slot better. Hellebuck had to make a couple of really, uh, you know, dangerous saves down low. And Winnipeg's offensive response was pretty muted. Not a lot going on, to be honest. The Jets struggled to make any sort of transition game work uh, offensively. Winnipeg wasn't even spending all that much time inside the offensive zone. There were very few offensive cycles going on. Just a, a very slow game against a Flames team that, you know, wasn't really giving it as much as I was expecting either. It kind of felt like Calgary wasn't nearly as surgical as I was expecting. And so there was ample room for the Jets to actually get through and maybe make a breakthrough here. And I think it's especially important for the Jets to score early because this Flames team has had a habit of being a pest all the way until the final whistle. Calgary's got a really nicely well-balanced lineup, even if there's not a ton of elite high-end skill. But that mobile back end that often you know, contributes a lot of really good offensive skill and uh, great passing, great shooting and distribution, lots of good perimeter skating. Um, they can also use them to attack the slot effectively. All of that just makes this a team that unfolds um, in layers in front of you, which for the Jets, they don't really handle those teams well because Winnipeg under pressure, especially when the D start activating, it's not a good situation for Winnipeg trying to make any sort of defensive zone breakout. And you know, with Winnipeg's tendency towards some sort of weird man zone hybrid, you know, especially in the defensive zone, it's not really conducive to the Jets actually getting out of their own end. I don't really have a lot to say about the opening 20 minutes other than that it was just very deflating. I feel like, despite a nothing-nothing scoreline heading into the locker room, the Jets just weren't really good enough. I didn't feel that there was enough jump. It didn't seem like the Jets were really creating a lot. Um, and to be honest, the Calgary Flames weren't either, I would say. Uh, the Flames did have like a 1.3 to 0.3 expected goals advantage, but to be honest, I would be hard-pressed to remember exactly what all the opportunities were because neither team, at least for like the first half of the period, was particularly active at even strength. I thought most of the opportunities probably came on the power play, but there probably were some all right shots from both squads. Um, in particular, the Flames, though, definitely had the advantage as the period wore on. But my general sense was that the uh, the Jets just weren't very good. Whether defensively or offensively, Winnipeg was struggling to create, and with two periods left, I wasn't really sure if Winnipeg was going to find a way to claw back into this game. Even though they weren't even down on the scoreline, it didn't really feel like the Jets were ever in control of this game. And I think that's kind of been a prevailing sentiment throughout a lot of this season. They've had a couple of games where they were very good against teams like St. Louis. At times, even the Wild, they played well. But when you start facing these like really fast countering teams that have lots of layers to their attack, the Jets just do not cope well. And the further that this game kind of went on, it became more and more apparent that at some point the dam was probably going to break. Things took a while to heat up though, and we'll talk about which periods maybe saw some clear turning points as we move on throughout this episode. But before we go any further, I did want to tell you a little bit about BetOnline.net and why they should be your number one choice for all of your online betting needs, especially as we wind down the NHL regular season and approach the very vaunted playoff run. Football might be over, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this upcoming playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. Not into football? No problem. 
BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. They've even got great lines for all of you Winnipeg Jets fans. From player points totals to award winners and more. Want to bet on Hellebuck winning another Vesna trophy? Log into BetOnline.net right now and place your bet. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. To get started, register for a free account with BetOnline.net right now. Start winning today because BetOnline is where the game starts. Hey friends, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are continuing our thoughts on Winnipeg versus Calgary, and the Flames were definitely the better team in the first period, and after, you know, the, the break kind of hit, the Jets came out and found themselves on a PK, which is not exactly how you want to open the intervening middle stretch of the game, especially when you're already struggling to create. Calgary, of course, took advantage and scored the first opening goal. This one, a uh, Sean Monahan snipe. And I've got to be honest, it's not a great look for the Jets to concede a power play goal to Monahan because Sean hasn't exactly been putting it in the back of the net much this year. So if the Jets could do a little bit of soul searching and maybe not be so generous, I would love that. You know, not much Hellebuck could do about it. Monahan had all the time in the world. The PK, of course, is just dog crap, to be honest. I think we've all seen it. You know, the personnel at times is the problem, but overall it's just more the aggression and structure that continues to be a bit of an issue. Lowry and Connor can sometimes create breakaways and stuff, and we've seen it happen over the past couple of games, but overall the PK is just a bit of a sieve, and it's down to Hellebuck making some insane world-class stop in order to keep the Jets in it. Otherwise, that PK just allows way too many passing and shooting lanes, so... This one, I don't know. Maybe you could ask Hellebuck to maybe make a nicer save or something like that, but in my mind, not a lot that he could do, especially when you just give your opponent so much space. At least for this period, though, after that goal against the Jets started skating a bit more, I thought it wasn't nearly as lopsided as the first period, although this is all very relative. You know, Calgary never really lost control of this game, so when I say Winnipeg kind of started to find its skating legs... Again, it is all pretty relative. It's not something where I would say the Jets had a particularly great outing at any point. And uh, the middle frame, I just, I don't know, it was very lackluster. That's my whole feeling with this game. It was it was very lackluster. A few minutes after that Monaghan goal, the Jets were able to claw back their own game-tying opportunity. This run from Dominic Toninato. Neil Pionk, who has had a bit of a rocky season this year, he uh, walked the line and across the uh, the grain of his body shot a very um, long distance curler that probably was going to go into the net anyways but Toninato actually got the last touch on the puck and got credit for the deflection so the Jets ended up tying it 1-1 and from then on the rest of the period was scoreless I will say that at least the Jets were trying to create a bit more but you know the top six I felt was pretty muted the second line uh, especially in that opening period was terrible and it didn't really create a lot more in the second period. The one thing I have to really ask is why Evgeny Svechnikov was still on the third and fourth lines when, you know, Adam Brooks, who just arrived and was a waiver claim, he got placed up in that top six immediately, and I didn't really see anything from him that would suggest he was anyway, you know, in qualifications for that spot. I know that he probably works very hard, and I'm sure that he, you know, 
is certainly fighting for that spot during practice and stuff, but Zvechnikov is a proven commodity on that line. And if you're down Perfetti, put Svechnikov back up there when you already know that that trio has been very effective. I don't know what Svechnikov has done to really piss off this coaching staff, but his continued usage is just utterly baffling to me. Zvech was probably one of the better players out there today, and he almost played, you know, only a few minutes. It's just, I don't really get it. I, I look at this team and I'm thinking to myself, you need more defensive stability from your forwards. You need more offensive jump, especially on the forecheck and along the wall, since you're not really creating a lot centrally. Why would you demote one of the best guys at doing all of these things to like your third or your fourth line and then promote other guys who, in my mind, really don't fit that role at all? Brooks is probably like a fourth liner. I, I don't really see how he got into the top six, especially over a guy who has already proven that alongside Dubois and Connor, he could be pretty darn awesome. But, you know, it is what it is. This coaching staff, again, I don't really love it. I feel like their decision making has been utterly baffling at times. The continued reliance on Logan Stanley, if they intend to keep him around long term. Yeah, uh, it's just a lot of frustrations kind of boiling over at this point. You know, even when the Jets win games, it often feels like they take away the wrong lessons. And that continues to be a an issue with this franchise over the years. They get rewarded for stuff that doesn't really make sense. They get rewarded for leaning on Connor Hellebuck way too much. And they never really seem to adjust course in the right way. And I feel like, you know, this, this upcoming trade deadline for me is not exactly the most inspiring uh, <laughs> event for the Jets. I feel like Winnipeg might make some bad desperation deals. In my mind, I really feel like this team has nowhere to go but uh, seller status. The Jets are quickly falling out of the playoff race. They frankly haven't been in it uh, for the last couple of weeks, but every time they win a game here and there, you know, people start talking about, oh, you know, the Jets are only six or seven points out of a playoff spot. Seems pretty doable, and I'm looking at this team and thinking to myself, on what planet? I mean, this team kind of sucks. I love the Jets, but let's be real. Winnipeg is kind of at the state where, at best, they've basically been playing like 500 hockey under Lowry. There's no way that, given where the Jets were before, a 500 pace is going to be enough. Winnipeg needs to be a seller, and I think that they understand that. I think that they uh, really could do with a little bit more evaluation of some of their young prospects. But then we saw Billy Heinle get waved and sent back down to the Moose yesterday. So, yeah, this team... Uh, it feels like hockey purgatory sometimes. I think the Jets have often found themselves in this position. You know, it's not something that's particularly new, but I would like it if at some point Winnipeg could kind of climb out of the hole and stop putting themselves in a really bad state. I feel like the Jets and the players deserve better, but thus far Winnipeg doesn't really show any signs of changing course and really resolving some of these long-standing issues. Now, as far as this game is concerned, there were still 20 minutes left. If you were hoping for a, uh, a comeback win or even an overtime period, unfortunately, you got neither. We'll talk about what transpired in just a little bit and ultimately, you know, what the next steps are for the Jets because, let's be honest, selling time is a coming. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are closing out tonight's episode with some final thoughts on Winnipeg versus Calgary and uh, what the Jets should do from here on out because I think we all kind of know what word I'm going to be using and it's called tank. Yeah, I'm not actually going to suggest tanking because, you know, Winnipeg's going to do that on its own, to be honest. But 
Before we talk about the fun stuff heading up to the trade deadline, let us talk about the rest of the third period, which actually, Winnipeg was a little bit better for at least part of it. I would say the first 10 minutes or so. And then in the final 10 minutes, Calgary just kind of started doing its thing and taking over. And the Jets were uh, struggling to keep up pace. I I think Calgary, for some reason, just seemingly had Winnipeg's number. And uh, all of the mistakes and things that kind of occurred for the Jets finally culminated in one really costly turnover. That was a pass that was supposed to get to Kyle Connor. Connor sort of fumbled it at the blue line. There's only like 45 seconds left in the game, and that turnover then becomes an Elias Lindholm goal. Yeah, not great. And then, of course, Tyler Toffoli ices it with uh, the empty net, about 10 seconds left, 3-1 flames, and that is all she wrote. You know, at least the Jets were able to keep it a close game. Um, I'm okay with them losing at this point because I think ultimately what needs to happen is Winnipeg sort of falls out of the playoffs completely, gets eliminated, and then the Jets start selling. I think Winnipeg would be doing itself a disservice not to start selling some of their free agents. And I hate to say it in those terms, but that's kind of where the team is at. Winnipeg hasn't really been playoff competitive in a few years. And even though they've made the postseason, a lot of it was just because Connor Hellebuck was kind of standing on his head and the Jets were getting some very fortunate bounces. This year, not so much. Both Hellebuck and the finishing rate have both declined significantly, and so... In that respect, I think the Jets are, are starting to be unmasked for the mediocre team that they've been for some time. And increasingly, you're hearing the players kind of complaining about it. I, I think that, you know, the roster itself is upset with how the team has performed. The players are kind of like, what's going on? You know, why are we continuing to struggle? We're following the instructions the coaching staff is giving us, but, you know, the results aren't really following. So, Naturally, if the players are saying that things aren't really going well and starting to point fingers about, you know, lack of effort, maybe lack of strategy, not a great look for the Jets, I gotta be honest. Uh, and so I think this big push for this upcoming offseason is to really restructure the team. You know, there's been talk of like a rebuild, and I think that that would be, in my mind, a little bit premature. I think that this team still has a lot of talent to draw from. And if you actually put the squad under a real coaching staff that can get results, I think you'd be looking at a very different team. I've been in favor of promoting Mark Morrison for some time. I think this year has been maybe a bit of a a spotlight on his performance when you look at the Manitoba Moose. Although, the one thing I don't really care for is having three defenders on the power play. That I could, you know, live without. But in terms of their even strength concepts and stuff and the uh, the way that they use their defenders in a, in a more aggressive stance, it kind of feels like it would be a more natural fit for how the Jets are currently constructed. Winnipeg is not a team that can really afford to sit back. I think Winnipeg is going to have to be a more fast counter, taking risk kind of team, and they need to reorient the lineup to fit that sort of vision. There is a version of this team that I think can play a much more up-tempo game. I know Paul Maurice was talking about doing that this year. Kind of happened for like maybe 20 or 30 games, and then they went right back to not being all that fast. But part of that is that the roster construction itself is very slow on the back end and at the forward unit. I I think, you know, you look at a couple of players out there who unfortunately just don't really match the kind of speed that you need against teams like Colorado and the Jets are going to have to sort of figure out a way to rework the lineup a bit and bring in some of that more youthful, more talented speed. My general prognosis going forward is that it's not going to be as bad as it seems right now if the Jets make the right moves, but if they don't really 
change a lot and sort of stick with what they have going forward, I think that would be a mistake. The Jets have a genuine opportunity here to kind of repair um, some of the biggest overarching issues with the team, especially once they get rid of some of the free agents and start to promote some of the younger kids. Let the young guns really show off what they can do. Maybe let some free agents move on to greener pastures and work with this this future core that's going to be part of the next great Winnipeg Jets. I, I think we're already seeing the decline of some of the top stars currently. It's time to start looking ahead and also find a real coaching staff that can make the most of it. You know, the defensive coaching staff, the, the special team stuff, the head coaching staff, I think all of these positions need to be examined and probably given a bit of a makeover. It's just not good enough as it is, and I would be very much in favor of starting fresh and giving next year's team a little bit more to work with. I'd be curious to know who you would be interested in maybe filling some of these spots. Be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to do it. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel, Rodan, and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your favorite podcasts, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe today. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!